Live from the CBS studios in San Francisco, I'm Brian Hackney. And I'm Andrea Nakano. We begin tonight with a tragedy on a popular South Bay hiking trail. A mother killed by a falling tree. This happened this morning while she was hiking with her son and his Boy Scout troop at the Rancho San Antonio County Park just outside of Cupertino. Our Don Lynn live at the park. He interviewed a witness who tried to save that mom. Don, what's the latest down there? Well, the coroner's office just removed the body about three hours ago at three o'clock. Witnesses tell me a large tree fell on the woman about three and a half miles into a trail back that way away from here. Now, we're told the woman was hiking with her son and other members of a Sunnyvale Boy Scouts troop. Family, friends and neighbors came to the parking lot to support the victim's husband. He was in shock. Witnesses say the tree fell on the woman around 10 o'clock this morning. They say three adults and four boys with the Sunnyvale Boy Scout troop were hiking on a trail commonly known as the PGE trail because of the power lines that run above it. I heard some screams and stuff, but I didn't hear much. Like it was like about 40, 50 feet away from me. Surya is the father of a Boy Scout. He ran over to help. They were trying to remove a large tree on top of the woman. The three people on my side and two people on the other side, we were trying to uh, think on our toes like real quick and trying to see if we could lift the log that is on her uh, body and see if we could lift it up a little bit so she could breathe. We tried lifting it. We lifted it a little bit enough so that she could, there was a clearance and we put a rock underneath so that it wasn't touching the body. So that's the best we could do. Our firefighters arrived and they were able to extricate the patient from under the tree and after some life-saving efforts they were unsuccessful uh, and the patient has passed away. Witnesses say the woman's son, who's a senior in high school, was there with the victim the entire time. He tried to help. It's just very uh, hard to imagine yeah. what happened. The hikers we've talked to say it was not windy, but it was raining on and off this morning. This is a very popular trail here, right? So, so at least a few hundred people going that way and something like this should happen. Um, just very shocking, tremendously shocking. It's just an unfortunate tragedy that you'd go out for a hike in, in a relatively calm morning and have this kind of thing happen. Yeah, authorities say these trees are saturated with moisture given the storms from the last two months. They're asking folks to be extremely careful when they're hiking out in the open space. Now, authorities have not released the name of the victim, but Brian, uh, friends and family telling me that the woman and her family are from San Jose. That's just terrible, Doug. Thanks. Uh, thanks much. That's Dalen down in Cupertino. The Boy Scouts releasing a statement saying they are saddened by the whole incident. They added, quote, our emergency response protocols and notifications are currently being followed and we appreciate privacy for the family and scout unit as they're still being moved from the area and rejoined with their families. And in two other separate incidents, trees crashed into two homes in San Jose. One of the houses on Margaret Street took down power lines with it. And just a couple of blocks away, another tree fell into a complex. Power is back on for that neighborhood. And some trouble for drivers on Highway 29 in St. Helena. Big oak tree fell across both lanes of traffic just south of Zinfandel Lane. Happened just after 1 this afternoon. Took crews about an hour to get that road back open. We saw plenty of hail across the Bay Area. It was coming down hard overnight in Orinda, and it was still falling this morning from Walnut Creek down to the Santa Cruz Mountains. And nonstop snow falling in the Sierra, Caltrans is still working to clear Highway 80. The highway is closed 
from the community of Applegate all the way to the Nevada state line. And this is a look at Highway 89 in Truckee. Even with all the snow, there are parts of Highway 89 that are open with chain controls. The Highway Patrol, though, is asking everyone to stay home and off the roads. So let's get over to First Alert Meteorologist Darren Peck. They are going to get more snow up there. Maybe another three feet, Andrea, coming just in like the next 36 hours in the Sierra. But we need to turn our attention to home for the moment because there's another line of pretty decent rain right here. Maybe some isolated occasional thunderstorms embedded in that. But if we watch that line as it's slowly marching its way, like just past the Farallons now, we can put a forecast track on that. So it shows you the lines progressing forward and does its best using the known rate of uh, advance that the radar is reading and how far away it is. And it says, all right, that line of showers probably gets to the peninsula by around 6.20, 6.30. So expect to see the intensity of the rain pick up from that from a bit. Won't last long. It'll get in and get out. And that's what's going to happen for the next three days. Watch what happens on the future cast. On again, off again showers, just like we've had today, all the way through Wednesday. More time when you're not getting rained on than when you are. But these will come with the occasional downpour, maybe some more hail, gusty winds. We're going to talk about this in more detail on the first alert forecast, but we also have to start looking ahead to Friday's storm, a totally different kind of storm coming our way potentially by the end of the week with much better rainfall totals and on a bigger widespread way. I'll explain coming up in just a bit. For now, guys, back to you. Okay, thanks, Darren. CHP is looking for the suspects who broke into half a dozen cars at the Golden Gate Bridge Welcome Center parking lot. This video is from just before noon yesterday of some of the victims fighting back. Thieves did get away with some purses. Nobody was injured, but this sort of thing is souring visitors on San Francisco. Yeah, it's sad because like uh, I have a friend that we invited to come to the city today with us and he literally didn't want to come because he didn't want to have his car broken into. No arrests have been made in what happened yesterday. They think the same thieves are responsible for at least five other car break-ins in the same area on Saturday. In the East Bay, Pleasant Hill police arrested one of the two suspects they say robbed a Verizon store yesterday. Police say the two suspects stole some cell phones around 3.30 in the afternoon. They took off in a car and police eventually caught up with them in Concord. One of the suspects ran away and is still hasn't been caught. The other drove right at an officer. That officer fired a shot at the car but did not hit the driver. Concord police chased that suspect all the way to Bay Point where they were arrested. Now, in the North Bay, nobody was hurt in Contati when a Petaluma police car crashed into the car. It was chasing. Katati police released these images of the aftermath on Gilbert Court. They said they arrested both people in the car. One of them had tried to run away. Neither department has said why the chase started in the first place. Today, the former head of the FDA was on Face the Nation. He addressed the report from the Energy Department that COVID-19 may have come from a lab leak in China. There's a you know, likelihood that this came out of a lab. We may never be able to prove it with certainty. We should start behaving like it did come out of a lab and start taking the steps to make sure that that couldn't happen again. There's a lot of things that happened around the labs in China, particularly the WIV in Wuhan, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, that created sloppy conditions. They were doing high-risk research in low-level, low-security labs. Um, they were doing risky research. There are conflicting reports about whether the Energy Department said they had low or high confidence that it came from a lab. Four other intelligence agencies say COVID spread by natural transmission. 
Scientists are still working to find treatments for COVID. During Stanford-led clinical trials, a new shot is showing promise in warding off COVID hospitalizations. This time, it's not a vaccine. Our Max Darrow explains. As COVID continues to adapt and evolve, scientists continue to try and develop new ways to combat the virus. And we have seen a variety of uh, drugs uh, that have become available, but we've also seen many of those drugs become obsolescent because the virus has mutated and evolved. Dr. Jeffrey Glenn is a professor of medicine and microbiology at Stanford who spearheaded a Stanford medicine-led trial for a new COVID treatment, a single dose injection of Lambda interferon. It is a drug that can make a big difference. Glenn explained Lambda is a natural antiviral protein the human body makes to defend against viruses. He says a single Lambda injection can help make sure the body has an adequate amount of the natural antiviral. It's the body's first line of defense against viruses. The clinical trial results showed patients who were given a dose of the drug within seven days of the onset of COVID symptoms were half as likely to be hospitalized. Patients treated within three days of their symptom onset fared even better. And it was efficacious across all variants, including Omicron. And the side effects were the same as placebo. The doctors couldn't tell who was on drug, who was on placebo. Dr. Glenn says this treatment works differently than other COVID treatments available as it doesn't specifically target COVID. All the, the drug options we've had and have currently available are designed to target something in the virus. But that's why that's their Achilles heel, because when the virus mutates at that target site, the drug becomes ineffective. Lambda is different. Lambda activates something natural in our own bodies. It turns on our own antiviral defense mechanisms. This was a phase three study. There will have to be more regulations before patients would actually be able to access the drug outside of the clinical trial. Well, senior living community in Madera County was trapped for a week. They were blocked off from the main road after the snowstorms. And residents are blaming the county. They say that snow, plow, snow plows clearing the main road accidentally created a big pileup on the margins of the road and folks in the Whispering Pines mobile home park couldn't get over. One woman eventually did, though. She was able to get her truck over the barrier. I just kept trying to drive my truck around so I could go get supplies for the seniors, water, food. I would go around and collect everyone's gas cans and then they would give me cash or whatever and I would go to town and get gas for people to stay warm. That community has gotten access to the main road again, but there's more snow in the forecast, so they're worried that the county will forget about them again. The 58th anniversary of Bloody Sunday, President Biden joined thousands in Selma, Alabama today, commemorating a milestone moment in the U.S. civil rights movement. This comes a day after former President Trump delivered a fiery speech targeting the Biden administration. CBS News reporter Christian Venavides has more. With his eye on the White House, former President Donald Trump took aim at his potential Democratic rival, President Biden. We will evict Joe Biden from the White House. And we will liberate America from these villains and scoundrels once and for all. Trump's speech Saturday night at the annual Conservative Political Action Conference comes as the field of GOP candidates widens. Former Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, who told Face the Nation he will not enter the race, says he wants his party to move away from Trump's grip. I think we certainly uh, went off in the wrong direction. I would say the party of Reagan is not dead uh, and neither is the party of Trump. 
Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who placed second behind Trump in the CPAC straw poll for the Republican Party nomination for president, spoke at the Reagan Library outside Los Angeles. And yes, we need to win the fight for freedom, and if we do, we will be winning one more for the Gipper. President Biden, who has not officially said he's seeking re-election, is in Selma, Alabama, to commemorate the 58th anniversary of Bloody Sunday, a flashpoint in the civil rights movement. Beaten, tear gassed. On this bridge, blood was given to help redeem the soul of America. The president joined others in a march across the historic Edmund Pettus Bridge. Meanwhile, here's the vandalized entrance sign outside of the Reagan Library in Simi Valley. The graffiti says, Ron the Fascist. Library employees spotted it this morning, hours before DeSantis' visit there to promote his new book. Another train is derailed in Ohio, this time in the city of Springfield. This happened about 200 miles southeast of the last derailment just weeks ago. And the same company is responsible. And they say there were no hazardous materials on board this train, though, but more than 1,500 nearby residents were left without power. Then I hear a loud bang. And when I did, I looked up, and there was all kinds of debris and metal shoot out from under the train cars. It did lead to a brief shelter-in-place order for residents within 1,000 feet. No injuries, though, were reported. Fire officials say a scooter battery caused a massive fire in New York City. Seven people were hurt in this morning's fire, including five firefighters. The fire commissioner blamed the fire on a lithium-ion battery in an e-scooter. She said the scooter was parked behind a grocery store. When it exploded, the entire building was destroyed. A scooter battery is also to blame for this apartment fire in San Francisco. This is video from the Citizen app. Firefighters say the fire was contained to a fourth floor apartment. No one was hurt there. Alameda County's moratorium on evictions will expire in the next 60 days. County law says evictions can resume because the state's COVID emergency has ended. The moratorium was meant to help renters at the height of the pandemic. Meantime, City of Berkeley is saying not so fast. The City Council extended their own moratorium until the end of August. It also just had its housing element approved by the state. Berkeley's first draft was rejected at the end of January. Bay Area governments so far have struggled to comply with the state mandate forcing towns and cities to build housing over the next eight years. Of the five most populated counties in the Bay Area, Alameda by far has the most residents who are behind on rent. According to the February data from the National Equity Atlas, nearly 33,000 households are behind compared to 23,000 in San Francisco, just under 21,000 in Santa Clara. But if you add up the total amount of rental debt in money, Santa Clara dwarfs the field with nearly $197 million in... Here's a live look at the Bay Bridge. Those glistening lights we've gotten used to over the past decade shining for the last time right now. The public art display went up in 2013 and some of the lights are beginning to malfunction. Tonight at 8 o'clock, they will shut off for good before getting taken down. The artist behind the lights, though, already has a plan to bring them back stronger than before. We're not going dark tomorrow. We're going dormant. We're calling it the Bay Lights 360 because There'll be lights wrapped around both sides of the cables. 
The new lights would cost $11 million. $6 million has already been pledged, and a crowdfunding campaign has raised over 50000 in just a few days. And uh, into weather news, up in the Sierra, it's snow on snow on yet more snow. The Central Sierra Snow Lab reported over two and a half feet since just yesterday. Another two to four feet will fall by tomorrow. Thanks for watching. 60 Minutes is next. See you back here at 11 o'clock. Good night, everybody.